Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast. I am Ben McKee, joined by Eric Kane. And Eric, boy, do we have something to talk about this fine Thursday afternoon. Tennessee does welcome number 24 Alabama to town this weekend for a three-game series, and that will be quite interesting. We will be joined later on the, later on in the podcast by Roger Hoover, the one of the many voices on the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network. He's he's going to break down the game for us, uh, and we're going to let him handle most of the breakdown for this weekend's series. Eric and I will give some thoughts on the way out the door, but the main thing Eric and I want to touch on is Tennessee's Tuesday midweek loss to Tennessee Tech at Smoky Stadium. The Vols fall 3-2. to two. It's their first loss in forever. Uh, their 22-game winning streak, or excuse me, 23-game winning streak comes to an end. And Eric, oh, the reaction. It was quite something, my friend. Well, I don't, I don't really understand why we're, why we're sitting here trying to play a series this weekend. Season's over. It's done. Pack it up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, it, it sucks when you lose a game. It sucks when a long losing streak like this comes, or winning streak like this comes to an end. I mean, I get it. Um, I get the reaction to all the inferior opponent, Tennessee Tag. I get reaction to the old wooden bats screwing everything up. No, wooden bats have nothing to do with it. We'll get into that. But, like, listen, this is baseball. Just like we talked about on Around the Horn, and just like we've talked about on plenty of podcasts leading up to this moment, Baseball is baseball, man. You lose games. That's just part of it. And the fact that the fact you won 23 straight is in freaking incredible. So you knew this was coming sooner or later. Tennessee's been showing a more human side of late. Um, it sucks, but hey, that's baseball. It's nothing to freak out over. Now, how are you going to respond? And that's something that we've talked about. It's like when you hit adversity, how are you going to respond? Tennessee's done a nice job of doing that. What little adversity it's hit so far this season. But you saw a lot of adversity against Missouri last weekend. Um, you know, Chase Burns is going to get his first true bounce back efforts of his career this Friday. And I'm intrigued to see how this team's going to bounce back. I am as well. And, and we'll talk about the bats here in a minute, but I, I want to talk about the pitching first and foremost, because all in all, Tennessee's pitching staff pitched extremely well on Tuesday night. Uh, ben Joyce did give up a mammoth two-run home run. And when I say mammoth, I am not exaggerating. It was a mammoth of a blast. I, I don't know how far it went. I don't know what it was off the bat in terms of uh, velocity. But Eric Newsom, the Tennessee Tech right fielder, totally squared up a Ben Joyce fastball that was 101, and it traveled as far as you think that it would. It was the dead center, just right of the batter's eye. And that was the the only really bad pitch that Tennessee made on the night. And to me, you got to just tip your hat to the Tennessee Tech kid for being able to, to square that ball up. But aside from that, Tennessee threw a ton of guys. Blake Tidwell got the start. He looked terrific in the first inning. He struck out the side. His fastball was sitting 94 to 96 and more on the, the 96 range on, on the scale had far more fastballs that registered at 96 than 94. And his slider was absolutely filthy. Uh, struck out the side, strikeout number one, strikeout number two, 
were both on just filthy sliders at 84 miles an hour off the plate that really fooled the hitter. Looked like a fastball was going to be on the corner and just broke late and just made the Tennessee Tech hitters look silly. And then his third strikeout of the inning was a 96-mile-an-hour fastball up in the zone that Tennessee Tech could not catch up to. So Blake Tidwell looked awesome. Kirby Connell, he came in, pitched a scoreless second inning. He looked good. Xander Seacrest, he came in and pitched a, a scoreless third and fourth inning. He looked good. And then that is where they ran into a little bit of trouble. Uh, Wyatt Evans, the freshman lefty, he came in to pitch the fifth. He got two quick outs, but then allowed back-to-back hits. And those two hits there, Eric, in the fifth inning were the first two hits that Tennessee Tech had on the day. I mean, Tennessee had a combined no-hitter going into the fifth inning, almost the sixth inning. Mark McLaughlin comes in to try and get Wyatt Evans out of the jam, and he does, in a way, just ran into some bad luck. The Tennessee Tech hitter hit a weak ground ball that Trey Lipscomb could not get to in time, and that's how Tech was able to get their first run of the game. And then the next inning and the sixth, the homer off of Ben Joyce, uh, so uh, aside from Wyatt Evans, his last two batters of the fifth inning with two outs and, and that home run from Ben Joyce, Tennessee's pitchers looked really good. Even Ben Joyce looked good. He gave up the homer, but that was really the only bad pitch he made. He struck out six in two innings and, and looked really good. The fastball had a, had great command. The, the slider had great command and, and great break as well. Uh, and then you had Camden Sewell come in to close the, the eighth and ninth inning threw up two scoreless innings. So, again, Eric, aside from Wyatt Evans at the tail end of his inning and the one pitch Ben Joyce gave up on the homer, Tennessee's pitching staff looked really, really good on Tuesday night. Yeah, and this is a, this is kind of a mainstay. We're, we're seeing this being a pretty much a routine thing here the last couple of weeks. You're getting one midweek game. It's a Tuesday night. You're getting Johnny Holstaff. You're getting a bullpen game. But it, it's because all these guys need work. All these guys are going to get work in on the weekend. You've got – you know, Connell and Sewell, who are pretty much your Friday bullpen, couple that with, uh, you know, Redmond Walsh if you need them. And then uh, your other guys, you know, are getting getting work throughout the weekend. McLaughlin, Ben Joyce, of course, Seacrest a little bit here lately. Um, you know, it, this is a very important pitching day. And, like, people complain, you know, I, I was heard throughout the week. It's like, oh, well, they just throw a bullpen game. Baseball's too, too slow. It's you hate that they don't have enough starting pitchers where they can have, you know, uh, another guy throw in the midweek game. And I'm like, no, that's – that is not it. I mean, midweek games serve a big time purpose, and uh, you're you're getting this. Uh, you're getting used to this with Tennessee, and so I, I thought they looked good. I thought Blake Tibble looked really, really good. I, I you know, I, we continue to talk about getting him work, work, stretching, stretching, stretching out. But you know, because Tennessee continues to need to get these other guys work, just like on Tuesday night. I mean, I want to see him go three innings, right? He only, he only went one through eighteen pitches, so I'm intrigued to see what his next step would be. It, you know, if you're going to get him ready to be that four starter come SEC tournament play, like he's going to he's going to start needing to throw more than two innings, which is what he threw last week, and of course an inning the uh, the first time he went out there two weeks ago, and then of course Tuesday night. But uh, to your point, anyway, I, I thought the pitching was awesome. 15 strikeouts to only two walks all night long. Uh, you allowed six hits, but the one bad pitch uh, gave up two runs, and they were the, uh, the the decisive ones to Newsom, and it was a shot. It looked like a professional home run because you're playing in a professional ballpark. Um, but tip your cap to it, like you said, and it, it's a night to where Tennessee typically um, would be able to overcome that pretty easily, but just couldn't on Tuesday night. And I'll say this about Blake Tidwell. I expect for, for Mr. Tiddy himself to be unleashed a little bit this weekend. 
against Alabama. We're talking piggyback here if we need it. We're, we're talking big piggyback here. Now, like, not like even say, if, say if Tennessee it, needs it. If just I, I think that, you know, I, I know it's kind of hard to unleash him if Burns, Dolander, Beam do what they did against Ole Miss and Vandy. It, it would be kind of hard to unleash him per se. But I, I'm talking in the sense of maybe not as much of a pitch count on him. Like he he if if Burns gives you six scoreless and he comes out after those six scoreless innings, like Blade finishing the game, seventh, eighth, ninth inning. I I think the the leash is going to be loosened a little bit this weekend. Yeah, I was going to say like unless you got like one of these guys just pitching an absolute gem, like Do, you know Dolander did the last a couple weekends of Ole Miss and Vanderbilt and. Uh, it, uh, you know, and if Dolander goes back to the old ways where you're at 100 pitches through five, then you can go, you know, Blade Tibble to pitch the rest of the game. Or if by some chance there's a Chase Burns type outing from Friday night again this weekend, then you can ride, you know, Blade Tidwell for a couple innings there. That, that That's kind of what I look forward to. But like I'm with you, I mean, if these guys are throwing a gem and they can pitch into the seventh inning and they're just not getting to 100 pitches, it's like, all right, maybe Blade Tibble can have the last two innings, but like I ain't messing with this. Right. And look, they're they're not going to be searching for a reason to put Tidwell in the game just for the sake of, of throwing him in the game. My, my point of watch out for him to be a little unleashed this weekend is in the sense that his his pitch count is going to be much different than maybe it has been. Not saying he's going to go out there and Drew Beam can't make it to the first inning and then all of a sudden Blake Tidwell's throwing 100 pitches on Sunday. Nothing like that. And I don't expect him to start or anything like that. But I do expect if the opportunity presents itself for his leash to be loosened a little bit. I'm putting you on the spot here, but like, you know, worst case, or however you want to label it, worst case or best case scenario, like at, at this stage in his progression, and I know you probably don't know the answer to this exactly, but like how how long, how hard could he go? I mean, are we talking, are we talking 45 pitches? Are we talking 60 pitches? Where do you think he's yeah. at right now? Somewhere in there, fifty-ish okay. pitches, okay. Uh, three to four innings, depending on what those innings look like uh, yeah. and how many pitches he throws. Maybe even five if he's super efficient with his pitches, like you've seen Drew Beam be this season. If he's uh, so. if he's perfect after eight innings, are you taking him out, or after seven, <laughs> are you taking him out or leaving him in? I, I mean, I'm, I'm taking him out because Blake Tidwell is a, a prospect coming off of what could be a significant injury if they don't manage it correctly. And and although the leash may be loosened a little bit this weekend, he's still on a leash and still working his way back. If it's Chase Burns, Chase Dolander, Drew Beam, they're staying out there. Blake Tidwell or Seth Halverson, who also may be back this weekend, they're coming out. Only 23 perfect games and. In- the history of Major League Baseball that's completed over 220,000 games. So I'm talking about something else here, but that's good to hear. Uh, you know, hopefully it's not because of a, a starter's expense, but it would be good to see Blade Tidwell, you know, throw 45 pitches this weekend and, and get, you know, two, three innings. That'd be, that'd be really good to see for sure. Yes. And while we are on the injury front, we'll, we'll go ahead and address Seth Halverson and Jared Dickey. We'll, we'll start with Jared Dickey since that one's a little more a minor of a note. Uh, Tony Vitello said Thursday morning when he met with the media that for the first time since Jared suffered the deep bone bruise in the finale, finale at Ole Miss two weeks ago, uh, that he 
should be available, likely to be available in the field for the first time since that old Miss series. So that's good for Tennessee for sure. Need to get Jared Dickey back in the action more full time. And then with Seth Halverson, Tony Vitello noted on Thursday when he met with the media as well that it is possible that he is made available, possible that he will be on the active roster this weekend against Alabama. I would go back to what I said Monday in the Monday night chat and add that it is likely that he is available. Not saying that he will for sure pitch. I think it is exactly what it was when Tennessee was at Ole Miss a couple of weeks ago with Blake Tidwell, that if everything goes perfectly and the perfect situation comes up, then you could have seen Blake Tidwell against Ole Miss. We almost saw him against Ole Miss that Sunday uh, as Tennessee was trying to close out the weekend with a sweep. He was warming up in the bullpen. Uh, I think it's the same situation with Seth Halverson. For those who are not as aware of the Seth Halverson story, a Missouri transfer, he was their Friday night starter last year, uh, a guy that throws extremely hard, as if this Tennessee pitching staff needs any more gas in, <laughs> to be available for, for Tony and Frank to deploy. But he was going to be a key arm out of the bullpen for Tennessee this year. Was not going to be a starter, but was going to be a key arm out of the bullpen. Uh, one of the top guys at the top of the totem pole, in my opinion. And uh, December, January, those winter months right before practice with getting going, he's throwing a bullpen and let's go with the pitch and his arm snaps in half, fractures his arm. Uh, just a, a real freaky incident, freaky situation, and was building back up to be back around the same time as Blade, which it, it still kind of is, but more closely together. And then he had his wisdom teeth pulled, which set him back a, about a, a week or so. So it goes without saying, again, I'm not really expecting him to throw this weekend, but I am expecting him to be available and potentially get some work if the perfect situation presents itself, just like Blake Tidwell at Ole Miss. I mean, you can never have too many pitchers, but, you know, when he's back and, and fully made available, where in the world is he going to throw? I mean, you've got – you got – I mean, you're loaded right now, but I'm with you. You don't want to force a situation. Um, if it comes up, then, then that's great. But um, there's nothing wrong with not seeing Halverson this weekend and just, you know, seeing him maybe in a midweek or maybe maybe in next weekend series. That's not the end of the world for sure. So you want to make sure that he's fully healthy. Yes, it's just an embarrassment of riches for yeah. Tennessee. They are adding midway through the season when most college arms start to, to die down in Two some weekend situations. Starters. Yes, <laughs> not, not even weekend starters came. Friday night guys. Blake yeah. Tidwell should, is – has the ability to be a Friday night starter. Most guys uh, of, of his stature are Friday night arms. They're getting him back. And then Seth Halverson was a Friday night, Friday night guy at Missouri. It is all American Tidwell. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. It's wild. It's wild. An embarrassment of riches, but getting back to that Tennessee tech game to, to put a bow on that, have to talk about the bats, obviously, what was your perspective of what went wrong for Tennessee offensively on Tuesday night? I thought Ganaway shoved. I thought he was great. And, again, that's why I love baseball so much, and this is to Tennessee's expense this time. But 
Uh, you got a guy that his ERA is inflated. You got a team that their record is just so hum. Um, you know, in-state opponent, you're playing the top-ranked team in the country and the, and the best baseball team in the state, the one that everybody's looking at right now in the country. And you go out there and you just shove. Um, what, what did he retire, like 10 in a row at one point, 11 in a row at one point? I mean, and, and again, he was getting Tennessee to do – things that Tennessee's not done all year. I mean, Tennessee's had great plate discipline all year long. Um, that was not the case on Tuesday night. Tennessee was chasing balls out of the zone. I mean, it was it, it, it was it was bad to watch at times because you're saying, okay, who is this team, right? But I mean, credit Gameway. I mean, he 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 got it done uh, in that sense. And so I just thought Tennessee didn't have it that night. Um, you know, it just kind of it is what it is. That's baseball. Sometimes you you just go through ruts of the plate like that, and, and that was Tennessee on Tuesday night. I mean, it didn't matter what type of bat you're swinging. I mean, if you're if you're swinging at balls that are well high or well out of the zone, you're not going to make contact. And so, I mean, that was that was what Tennessee was doing on Tuesday night. So, uh, you just want to credit uh, Tennessee Tech for for getting it done that way. That was my biggest takeaway: just the plate discipline. It just wasn't there for Tennessee, and, and you know, it has been there all year long. It wasn't the bats. I mean, it, it's as simple as that. I, I know there's this thought process that it was the wood bats. It, it's it's not the wood bats. I mean, if you saw all uh, these balls just like dying at the warning track, or just like what our normal drives becoming like just little blue pits and stuff, then yeah, we can have a conversation. That was not the case at all. Right. And as you pointed out earlier, there was a mammoth home run hit the other way for Tennessee Tech. They were using wood bats too. <laughs> yes. Now, now obviously there is a difference in the wood bats and the bats that Tennessee yeah. typically uses uh th- there's less room for error the the barrel is not as big and I thought Tony Vitello summed it up perfectly after the game when discussing the difference in the bats and that's that with the wood bats you see Tennessee lose three to two whereas with the regular bats they probably probably would have lost six six to five instead. Now where, where the wood bats did come in and, and make a difference is mentality wise. And, and that's not the bats fault. It's the players fault the, the players were up there trying to have the, the type of moment that the Tennessee tech player had Jordan Beck wanted to have that loud crack of the bat, that 500 foot home run that just sends a crack of a thunderstorm, a crack of thunder throughout Smoky Stadium. And that's why you saw him look like the freshman and sophomore. Clear over the Pioneer porch. And was swinging at pitches that that were in the, the other batter's box that, that he has not really done this season. And that was the case for the entire team, is that because they had these wood bats in their hand, it wasn't the bat itself that was making it more difficult for for them to hit the baseball. It it was their approach at the plate. It it was their mentality that the bats had somewhat messed up, that they were trying to hit these home runs with these wood bats so they can have these cool moments. And because of that, they were chasing pitches that they have not chased all season long. They're they're one of the best teams in the country at walks drawn, and you did not see that. If that was the first game you've ever seen of Tennessee baseball, you would have thought that this team has no plate discipline. But it was just the case – that night and the day was funky as a whole Tony Vitello voiced his frustrations after the game that they they show up and they they all get scattered trying to get into the stadium and I don't, yeah I don't, I don't know how that works <laughs> I, I don't know how that works either I took it as 
the gate that they arrived at was locked and they couldn't get in. And then everybody went their separate ways trying to find a way into the stadium. And just, I, I know that kind of seems silly, but it's just a cluster. You've got 45 guys all scattered throughout the stadium. You're, you're trying to gather them up and get going. And, and then on top of that, they, they finally get in and the stadium, the field is not set for BP, for batting practice. And Tennessee showed up thinking that they were going to take batting practice, and they did not. Tony Vitello said that those two things kind of just threw the day off. And, and from there on out, it was just unusual decision after unusual unusual decision by the, by the players, the coaches. It, it just really threw the day off, and they were in a funk from there. And again, you know, baseball – a lot of us, myself, creature of habit, baseball players are very much creatures of habit. You always take BP for the game, always. Um, and, you know, if there was ever a, a game where you needed, you absolutely needed to take BP would be whenever you're, you know, switching to wooden bats for a night, right? And so, you know, not able to get that opportunity and throwing off your timing and all that. I mean, sure. Is that the reason you lost? No, you still should have won. Okay. But um, it messes with you a little bit and, it just, you know, I think that could attribute to some of the struggles at the plate, some of the, you know, chasing balls out of the zone and all that. So um, I, I do think that's a big deal. I know a lot of people say, oh, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, you win it in there. And I agree with you. But, I mean, there, there's a psychological thing to this as well, especially in baseball, because, well, like I said, creatures of habit. Right. It, it's not like they they were just hitting the baseball and, and, and that's how they were getting out they were mostly getting out because they were striking out and yeah. their plate discipline was as bad as i've seen it in a very very long time just really piss poor uh, plate approach they they had four hits on the night uh, yeah. four for 31 at the plate they were one for 10 hitting with two outs they were two for 13 with runners on base they were one for 10 with runners in scoring position and they were two for nine leading off the inning. It was just a miserable day at the plate. And part of it is just baseball is baseball. And mm -hmm. the point that I've reiterated all week long in the various in the various scenes that I've spoken on is that nobody mentions last year's midweek game that Tennessee traveled to Charlotte and lost 14 to nothing. Nobody mentions it because it's part of baseball. It, it is rare that any team, even the top teams, go an entire season without losing a midweek game. And it goes back to the midweek approach of college baseball coaches. Do they want to lose the midweek game? No. But do they put their best foot forward for the midweek game? The answer is also no. And that is because the weekends in college baseball are so more so, so, so more important yeah. than the midweek games. And you were talking about it earlier, Kane, about the arms and uh, not wasting them for the weekend, or at least you were making the point of needing to get guys ready for the weekend. And the reason for that is because college baseball is not major league baseball or minor league baseball. There, there's not a game You'll every play single every day. day. Exactly. To where Camden Sewell, Kirby Connell, Redmond Walsh, uh, Will Mabry, they're not pitching every, not every day literally, but they're not pitching multiple times throughout the week to where their arm is always ready. Just like Vanderbilt to Missouri. Those guys that didn't throw at Vanderbilt, Blake Tidwell, Ben Joyce, they can't go an entire two weeks from 
inning to inning. Like that's why the midweek games are, are treated as such is to make sure that the arms are ready for the weekend and that they haven't had so much time off, which is why Blake Tidwell through the first inning, Kirby through the second inning, Xander Seacrest through the, the third and the fourth, so on and so forth. They're, they're trying to make sure that those arms are staying loose, staying active, and, and that they are good to go for the weekends because the weekends are far superior to the midweek game. Yeah. It, it, that. In the major league baseball, you see it all the time. Like your closing pitcher, he'll go three days without getting any work. And on that fourth day, your team might be up, you know, by seven runs, but there, there goes in your, your closer in the ninth inning. It's not a safe situation, but you've got to get him work. And I think that's something that, um, you know, I think that's something that the average fan sometimes forgets to realize uh, at times is you, you just got to get work. And uh, again, like you pointed out, the difference in college baseball compared to professional baseball, minor leagues got, you know, the Smokies got to play that park and they play every single day too. Like it's different for them, you know, compared to Tennessee baseball. And so, and, and not that Tennessee's pitchers were bad because they were fantastic. Again, Tennessee's, you know, Johnny Holstaff days have been very impressive as we've talked about, but like, I mean, you know, what, what if, what if Chase Burns pitched this game? You know, did, I mean, does, does Tennessee Tech get, you know, three runs in the fifth and sixth inning? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I mean, you know, it, it, it might be. I mean, it changes the whole complexity of the game, too. I mean, Tennessee threw seven guys in this game. So midweek games are where you get the work in. And Tennessee got a lot of good work, especially from the guys on the mound on Tuesday night. But it, it serves a purpose. And that's why I think, Ben, you know, if you're talking about tell you, you would love to have two midweek games every week. But sometimes that's just too much work the, the further you get into the season. Well, and here's the last thing I want to touch on when it comes to the, to the midweek games. Can we quit being mad at Tony for putting this game together? Please. Uh, why, why, why do we have to complain about every, every single thing? He, he put this game together for the fans, and it was kind of a, a past, present, and future deal of trying to, to really make it a, a cool event for fans to, to show up for. And I, I realized that they had upwards of 9,000 people mainly because of the fact that the the number one team in the country, but he's been wanting to do this since they got to Tennessee. They, they, they've been wanting to swing wood bats. I mentioned last week that he's always wanted to, to wear throwback jerseys to the Rod Delmonico era. Like this was an event because baseball, Tennessee baseball is much different than Tennessee football. I realize that baseball is a little bit different right now because of how good they are. But football markets itself, baseball does not in yep. college. He He's doing these things to draw fans to the stadium, and, and that's why the wood bat component was added. And you would be surprised at how many, how often these kids are actually swinging wood bats. They go play in the Cape Cod, and they're only using wood bats. Blake Tidwell, Drew Gilbert, and this applies more to Gilbert, but they go play for Team USA over the summer. They're playing with wood bats. They say how many guys in this lineup the season? Yeah, I was going to say how many guys in this lineup are using wood bats for three months every single summer, right? I mean, it's something that they're used to. Yes, and and I can assure you, when they're even working out in season, here and there, they're swinging wood bats. And and here's the other thing: there may be less of a sweet spot, less of a barrel, but they prefer to swing the wood bats because. The, the actual wood bats that professionals get to swing are like swinging toothpicks. They're, they're not these makeshift wood bats that you can go to Dick's Sporting Goods and buy or, or the ones that you can go get from Walmart. The wood bats that they're, that they're swinging from Louisville Slugger 
and all the other bat brands are amazing bats to swing. Uh, they they're like swinging toothpicks and, and it's nearly night and day difference to, to what they're swinging on a day-to-day basis in college. So can we stop complaining about Tony putting this together? Because the, the objective was to get people out to the game and had Tennessee won eight to two, nobody would be saying anything about the wood bats. And again, the wood bats is not why Tennessee lost. Tennessee lost because they had a piss poor approach at the plate. Mission accomplished. The night was awesome. I know Tennessee lost. I get it. You set an attendance record at Smoky Stadium. That's something to be proud of. You had some awesome guests in the booth. Um, you had a good baseball game. Tennessee lost. I know it sucked, but that was an awesome, awesome event. I expect Tony Vitello to do more stuff like that in the future, and I'd, I'd be upset if he didn't because uh, that's some good stuff. Also, on the Wood Bats, label up, baby. They'll be going for <laughs> days. Label up and just sweet swing, King Griffey style. Uh, you wouldn't <laughs> know what that's like. Uh, wow wow (laughs) eric looking at this alabama team i'm telling you man tennessee's in for a test this weekend again uh, we'll be joined by roger hoover here in just a moment and we'll let him do most of the previewing of alabama but this is a a really talented alabama baseball team their their lineup is going to be a handful for chase burns chase dolander drew beam to deal with i mean one through nine the, these guys can really hit and eight and nine not not their best hitters but dominic tamez their catcher he's hitting 287 he's their eight hole hitter and he's second on the team in hits uh and and then their nine hole hitter caden rose who is their center fielder he's hitting 280 so uh, although those two may not be as productive as some of the other guys they're hitting over 280 which is really respectable but they've got some real pop in their bat uh, Jim Jarvis, their their shortstop who leads things off, he's an absolute stud. He's tied for the team lead in hits and walks, uh, one of the best shortstops in the SEC. Uh, left fielder Tommy Seidel, their senior, he's their two-hole hitter. He leads the team in average, 331. He's nine for nine with stolen bases, and he leads the team in uh, on base percentage. They just got a a big, big bat back from injury uh, recently, uh, D.H. William Hammeter, uh, he suffered a foot injury at Texas uh, to start the season that kept him out over a month until his return on April Fool's Day. And then this past Tuesday against Belmont made his first start in the outfield since February 26th. He went one for three. So that's a big bat back in the lineup for Alabama. Their four, four-hole hitter, uh, Zane Denton, was red hot in March. He, he had a slow February, but was just absolutely in fuego in March, uh, Drew Williamson, their five-hole hitter, he's reached base safely in 10 straight games. Uh, Andrew Pinckney, their right fielder who's in the six-hole, he leads Alabama in runs scored and is second in slugging percentage. Uh, and then the last one I'll mention is their seven-hole hitter, Bryce Eblen, who is a sophomore. Uh, he's also been banged up this year, but since he's been back, he's been hitting 343 over the last 19 games, and, and he can make some things happen on the bases as as well so the the lineup is really good and then their starting pitching is also really good Garrett McMillan he's the reigning SEC pitcher of the week and the bats have had to kind of come along because of some of those injuries that I mentioned but it's their starting pitching that has allowed them to get off to a really good start this season Uh, their starters this season have combined to go 10 and 4 with a 3.49 ERA 
they they don't allow a lot of base runners. They they don't walk guys. They strike out guys, and, and they're just really talented. Now the 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 bugaboo for them is their bullpen, which has gotten healthier as well. But Eric, Tennessee, all of a sudden, you, you kind of felt good after Vandy and, and Ole Miss that that they're behind you. But now all all of a sudden, Alabama now ranked number twenty four. They're coming to town. Next week, you go to number 23, Florida. And then the weekend after that, you return and you face number 16, Auburn. All three of those teams coming up for Tennessee, freshly ranked in this week's top 25. And Alabama, I'm telling you right now, Tennessee's in for a dogfight because, as Roger Hoover puts it, they are a pesky baseball team. Ain't no rest for the rearing, right? I mean, this is this is a really, really good baseball team, I feel like. And, I mean – you know, feel they're feeling it too, just coming off a sweep at Ole Miss, much like Tennessee did a couple weeks ago. Their starters on Friday and Sunday have been magnificent. I mean, and again, Jacob uh, McNary on Saturday has been been okay. He has a loss per se. His ERA is inflated, which is not great. Um, but they've been really, really sharp from the starts on on Sundays and on Fridays with McMillan and with hits. So, looking forward to these pitching duels with Burns and Beam on those days. And you went up and down that lineup, and uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see what Zane Denton looks like. You know, power in the middle of that lineup. He leads the team in RBI, leads the team in home runs. You mentioned uh, Tommy Settle leads the team in hits, average stolen bags. I mean, this is they've got some big series win. They won their last two series. They played um, they played Texas very tough uh, back in February. Was swept, but lost uh, game one and game two by a combined three to nothing score. Yeah, that's right. They were shut out, but they only gave up a, ru- a run and two runs. So this is a really, really solid baseball team. And so how are you going to respond, Tennessee? You got, uh, you've got you shown a little bit of a human side here lately, and that's fine. Um, you faced some adversity here the last couple of weeks. That's fine. You lost a midweek game. It's okay. Um, how are you going to respond? I, I think I, I couldn't agree more. I think this will be a dogfight this weekend. I truly do. I think Alabama's a good team. What are the matchups that, that you think Tennessee – has to to make sure it wins in order to win this weekend because I look I it may be a hot take I think Alabama's a better baseball team than Ole Miss and Vanderbilt I do maybe that won't be the case by the end of the season Vanderbilt really young but they have a, a ton of talent so maybe by the end of the season Vanderbilt has turned their season around Ole Miss they don't have any pitching anybody who listens to this knows that I gave up on Ole Miss a long time ago but as of today April 14th I think Alabama's better than both Vandy and Ole Miss as crazy as that sounds got to work the counts got to get in the bullpen you mentioned about how the bullpens had issues all season long get the starters out of the game Tennessee one of the best teams in the country in terms of walking right um, you know, be patient, get that play discipline back that we're so accustomed to seeing um, outside of Tuesday night, work the counts, you know, be patient, drive the pitch count up, take advantage, get, I mean, you can take advantage against these guys too as well, but get the game into the bullpen. And then I think Tennessee will just be able to add on some, some insurance runs later in, the, in, in these ball games once the, uh, once the starters are out. So that's something I'm looking forward to as well. Of course, you want to see Jared Dickey continue his hot trick of the plate, see what he looks like in the field, um, you know, just, just the, just the normal, you know, uh, uh, you know, run managing the, the run game on the base paths and timely hitting and, and don't leave guys on base. You left nine on, on base Tuesday night, be better with runners in scoring position, all that good stuff. I, I think Tennessee starters have to have to be what they have been. And, and maybe that's a little unfair, not saying that they have to throw a complete 
game shutout or anything of that nature, but they just have to be really good. They, they have to live up to their potential because I, I don't think that this is a weekend where Tennessee is just going to, to beat Alabama over the head with their bats. I, Alabama has some nice pitching. Uh, so, so Tennessee's pitching staff, particularly the starters are, are going to have to back them and allow them time to get going, allow them time to figure out a starter allow them time to get into the bullpen and, and figure out the bullpen. I just don't think that there's going to be a ton of, of leeway. I, I kind of expect these, these games to be somewhat low scoring. Maybe the offenses are, are just better than the pitching, but I don't, I don't think so. So I, I do think Tennessee wins the series. I'm not going to call for a sweep. I think Alabama will get a game. Yeah. They're, they're too good of a team not to um, not, not ruling out a sweep, because the back end of, of Alabama's bullpen has has really given them issues at times this season. But if I had to put money on it, I, I think Tennessee wins two of three. And if it is going to do so, it's it's going to have to be because Chase Burns was Chase Burns, Chase Stolander was Chase Stolander, and Drew Beam was Drew Beam. And the bullpen handled business as well. You just I don't I don't think that there's going to be a lot of room for error uh, when it comes to the pitching staff and putting the offense in a hole so are you, you saying Tennessee takes two or three or are you calling for a sweep my friend no I won't call for a sweep you know me I'm always super conservative on this regard but uh you'd still be foolish to never think Tennessee can't win every every single series of plays so I say Tennessee will take at least two or three it'll win the series it'll bounce back you pointed out Chase Burns so excited to watch him throw uh tomorrow night's um, how are you going to respond? Uh, again, your first true test of adversity. How are you going to respond? Um, I bet he will respond the right way. I think he'll be just fine after just going, what, two and two-thirds last week. So looking forward to it. I think Tennessee will get a series win, but you got to be on it. Alabama is a good team, and um, I think it's better than the pesky team. I think this is a solid baseball team. So looking forward to what should be a good series here at Lindsey Nelson Stadium over Easter weekend. Yep, and uh, one last thing I want to touch on that I meant to mention earlier that applies to this weekend is that I I think that Tuesday, talking about bouncing back and responding, I, I feel better about Tennessee after they lost Tuesday night than I did after it swept Missouri on Sunday. I, I was kind of weary about Alabama, not in the sense that they were going to come in here and I thought Tennessee was going to lose to Alabama, but I, I thought it, it may be a, a little rocky at times for Tennessee this weekend after losing Tuesday night and knowing how they're going to come out with the, their tails on fire, maybe more than they would have coming off a win over Tennessee Tech. Tuesday night makes me feel better about this weekend for Tennessee than had they won. Do, do you feel that same way? I mean, maybe a little bit. I mean, sure, they'll be motivated. This team does not want to lose highly competitive. I get all that. But it's not like. It's not like they were lollygagging around. And they went in with the wrong mindset Tuesday night. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Um, I, I, I do. You were not going to win every single game on your schedule. So the fact that you did get a loss out of your way, it was a midweek. It didn't hurt an SEC play. That feels a little bit better. Um, so we'll see. But I think this team is going to be just as engaged and just as uh, ready to roll. They're probably pissed off. So, I mean, that's that's something to lean in towards. And, um, you know, maybe they can use that as fuel on Friday night. Yeah, I just think they'll be more locked in. Not not that yeah. I didn't think that they weren't locked in, but it, it's it's real easy to get too comfortable when you're winning. It, it really is. You heard Tony Vitello mention that after the game on Tuesday, that, that now because of the loss, maybe they'll hear some of the things that he's been mentioning that maybe they weren't letting sink in as much when they were winning. 
because they were winning. So uh, I expect Tennessee to be much more locked in than, than maybe they were against Missouri for sure. And, and even Tennessee tech. So uh, that'll do it for this edition of the diamond balls podcast from Kane. And I will be back with you Sunday afternoon, Monday morning, somewhere in that time frame. But before we do get back to you later on this weekend, we're going to talk to Roger Hoover. We got Tennessee, Alabama this weekend. Roger calls games for the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network. He'll be on the call for all three games this weekend. And how about this, Kaner? Todd Helton. He's going to be an analyst on the call with Bob Kessling this well, week. Bob and Todd, baby. Bob and Todd on the SEC Network Plus. It should be uh, should be good if you're not listening to John Wilkerson. So uh, you got it made anywhere you want to tune in and catch this action. That's right. It'll be 6 o'clock on Friday, 6.30 on Saturday, and 1 p.m. on Easter Sunday. So uh, without further ado, here is Roger. And in the meantime, Eric and I hope you all have a happy Easter weekend. We're joined now by Roger Hoover the play-by-play broadcaster and digital host for the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network. And Roger will be on the call for the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network. If if you follow Tennessee Athletics, I know you've heard the name Roger Hoover before because not only does he call games for the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network, he also helps out with the SEC Network, has called plenty of men's, women's basketball games, football, baseball, all, all sorts of things. Uh, if you follow SEC athletics, I know you've heard of Roger Hoover. So, Roger, we appreciate some of your time and uh, hope uh, your drive to Knoxville is going smoothly. Yeah, I appreciate that, Ben. Uh, great to be with you and uh, talk to my friends in Knoxville. should be a really fun weekend between Tennessee and Alabama. It, it should be. And it sh- you and I were talking before we pressed record here, and funny that Todd Helton, of all people, is going to be on the call with Bob Kessling on the SEC Network Plus. That that should be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it really should be. You know, uh, last Sunday I got to call the Missouri game uh, on SEC Plus, so the, the final game of the Mizzou series with, uh, you know, a left-handed uh, first baseman that hit a lot of home runs for Tennessee named Cody Hahn. Uh, now we get a few more home runs in that booth, it looks like, uh, with Todd Helton taking over. But uh, I know he and Bob are going to do a great job. I know they're really looking forward to uh, all the broadcasts coming up. So I, I can't wait to call the games and then kind of go back to the hotel and uh, dial up SEC Plus to see what Bob and uh, Todd had to say about the games. What has been your takeaways or or thoughts from watching Tennessee baseball from somewhat of afar? Obviously, you just said that you called this past weekend's uh, one of the games. But uh, aside from uh, the games that you have been able to call this year and and just watching from afar, what would have been your impressions of watching this year's Tennessee baseball team? Well, I'm not really surprised by the great results from the pitching staff. Let's kind of start there. Um, you know, even with you know, Blake Tidwell not being able to be a part of the initial rotation, Self Halverson not being available, uh, you figured Tennessee with Frank Anderson uh, running this pitching staff, you know they're going to have talent. You know they're going to fill up the strike zone. So uh, seeing those results come in from Chase Burns, Chase Dolander, and then Drew Beam on the weekends, I mean, uh, if, that was one thing where it's like, wow, these you know, two freshmen and then a sophomore transfer, they seem unfazed by college baseball. But that also is in, you know, your first four weekends of the year, which is non-conference play. You see some big weekends like uh, we expected against Iona. And then I also called the Rhode Island series. So, you know, a lot of that didn't surprise me. but 
what did surprise me is, okay, now they're able to translate that success into SEC play against Ole Miss and against Vanderbilt. And then even when things went against Dolander and Burns a little bit at the beginning of the Mizzou series, they still you know, were able to work out of some things, and Tennessee's still able to win those games. So uh, really impressed by the pitching staff. The bullpen is probably as good as I've ever seen a college baseball bullpen with what they can bring in, with whether it be Camden Sewell kind of being a swingman, or you go to Ben Joyce, who just lights up the radar gun and everybody loves to see. And now you have Blade as part of the weekend uh, bullpen as well, if needed. I mean, it's, and then you have Redmond Walsh and Kirby Connell, who are two great veterans that just you don't typically have in college baseball bullpens. So love all the pieces that Tennessee has from the pitching staff. Uh, the biggest surprise to me, how well they hit and how well the balls hit for power up and down the lineup, you know, to have Cortland Lawson batting ninth so many games with still seven or so home runs. I mean, that just does not happen in this sport. Uh, you can have some breakout stars like Trey Lipscomb or Jared Dickey, but to have it just from every spot in the roster and, you know, to not even be able to play guys like Kyle Booker or Christian Scott consistently because everybody else is doing so well in the lineup. Uh, it's incredible. It really is one of the most incredible offenses I've ever seen in college baseball. And even as we get deep in SEC play, the balls are still living up to kind of that billing of a team that's going to hit a lot of home runs, drive in a lot of runs, and just play fearless. And uh, we've certainly seen that uh, all throughout the season. So I think that's my big takeaway is just this lineup does not relent. Everybody can hit home runs. And just when Tennessee gets rolling, I mean, it's infectious for everybody. And there's somebody new to win each and every game. You know, that Sunday game against Missouri, I just referenced, you know, that was a Luke Lipsy's game with a couple of home runs. Uh, so, you know, everybody in this lineup is good. And if you're an opposing team trying to face this lineup, you don't know where to start. You don't know where an easy out can be found because there really isn't one in Tennessee's lineup. Looking at Alabama, Last year's team was very good. They made it to the NCAA tournament. And I think if you make the NCAA tournament, then you have a good ball club. But from from the outside looking in this season, it, it kind of looks like this is going to be the team to get Brad Bohannon over the hump, uh, a, a team that's not going to need to beat Tennessee in Hoover in order to make the NCAA tournament at a 22-12. and 12, They've won seven in a row, nine out of the last ten. The two games over 500 in SEC play. Do you think that this is the team that Brad Bohannon has that can get him and his program over the hump to where they're, they're not going to be sitting on pins and needles uh, come selection Monday? Well, I'm glad you asked me that question in mid-April as opposed to mid-March because uh, a month ago, Alabama really hadn't been able to string together wins like we're seeing right now with this good winning streak and how they're playing in SEC play. Uh, Alabama is a team that has been really been hurt by injuries. You know, we always talk about the college baseball 11.7 scholarship rule. Uh, there are four really talented pitchers that are going to be out for the entire season for the Crimson Tide, including uh, Connor Prelip, who's likely going to be a first-round pick and you would expect to be the Friday starter of this rotation. Uh, you know, he's lost for the year, and then there were even some injuries during the season that William Hammeter, the right fielder and cleanup batter for the Tide, went out for over a month with a, a broken bone in his left foot. So Bryce Eblen, the everyday second baseman, was out with a shoulder injury. So, you know, early in the season, this was a group that just, you know, played well, played some tight one-run ball games, but just never could hit its stride. 
pride and Alabama is still one of the teams that is at the top of D1 baseball in terms of one run games. They played 13 so far this year, going six and seven in those games. So there were a lot of frustrating losses, uh, including two to number one, Texas uh, at one point earlier in the season in Austin. And then uh, Dropped some midweek games as well. Starting to work back a really talented pitcher named Ben Hess back from an offseason injury. So some of the first innings he threw all year were in some midweek games. And Alabama had a tough time in midweeks for a while. And I think that carried over a little bit to the weekend. But uh, kind of figured it out once they won their last game against Mississippi State. And all of a sudden, okay, they're 2-4 and four in the SEC. But, you know, four of those losses, at least three of them were by one run. So you knew this was a better team than um, their results were showing. And then the next weekend against Texas A&M, played pretty well, took two out of three. And then uh, I think they sent a message to the entire league with what they were able to do this past week against Ole Miss. And that's when three games, including a couple that had gotten away from them at a couple moments, but then they were able to come back and win, especially that Saturday game was such a thriller for this team to win the ball game uh, on Saturday at Swayze Field. So uh, it's a group that really is playing a confident brand of baseball. I think they are really looking forward to this challenge against the number one team in the country in Tennessee, just kind of see where they stand up uh, to a team like that. And, you know, as tough as the start to SEC play was going two and four the first two weekends, now you look at Alabama only being a couple games back uh, from Arkansas right now in a three-way tie for second place in the SEC West. And uh, they got some tough games ahead. They've got Georgia and LSU, South Carolina in the next few weeks. But uh, if they can continue playing like this, uh, getting those midweek wins, and then if you're able to get a few uh, key victories against, say, a Tennessee or LSU, uh, then the NCAA resume looks pretty good. So like you mentioned hopefully it won't come down to the sec tournament needing kind of a miracle run type week to get into a regional uh because the expectation going into the year was like okay we made it to a regional last year now it's time to host a regional and uh, make sure we're on the winner's bracket side of things so uh, it's a program that continues building uh brad bohannon's an excellent recruiter which was even referenced uh, by tony vitello in his press conference previewing the series saying uh, everywhere i go the brad bohannon's there you know it's a good thing and then if i don't see him i wonder which kid he is so I thought that was pretty funny hearing that from Coach Fitello talk about Coach Bohannon. Alabama coming off of a sweep of Ole Miss this past weekend. They won 7-4 to on Friday night, 12-10 to in 10 innings on Saturday, and then they won 7-3 to on Sunday. All those factors that you just mentioned, the, the injuries and guys returning and Bohannon being a great recruiter, do you think this past weekend was just – a display of of everything finally coming together for Alabama to be able to go on the road. And although I do believe Ole Miss is is overrated from from a pitching standpoint, they still have a ton of guys that can absolutely rake. And aside from Saturday's game, uh, Alabama held them to four on Friday night and three on Sunday. So do you think this past weekend was a display of Alabama just being able to piece it all together maybe for the first time? Yeah, and I agree with you on the Ole Miss uh, pitching side of things. Uh, but like you mentioned, that's a very good veteran lineup. I mean, anytime you have Tim Elko, like you're going to be able to get some run scoring and uh, have some big performances at the plate. But Alabama pitched pretty well all throughout the weekend. 
even after things got off to kind of a shaky start with their Friday starter, Gary McMillan, who really labored through the first inning in Oxford uh, as Ole Miss grabbed an early advantage and he threw 40 pitches. He was able to be brilliant after that, gets named the SEC uh, Pitcher of the Week since he didn't allow anything really afterwards uh, to the Ole Miss Rebels in that outing. So, you know, I think this lineup, now that William Hammeter's back healthy and now uh, in the midweek game uh, against Belmont, he was able to play in right field for the first time. Just everybody is kind of back in the spot they need to be in. And I think uh, when you have William Hammeter batting cleanup right behind Zane Denton, who had some big home runs over the weekend against Ole Miss, uh, he's a Tennessee kid from uh, Brentwood. You know, he's going to be fired up for this series uh, coming up against Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, He is one of the best contact hitters. Yes, he has some really good He's typically hit all, but now that he's got everybody around him hitting so well, that's been good. Um, they have a very solid uh, catcher in Dominic Tomez. Uh, I think one of the real constants for Alabama's program the last few years was a solid catching Sam Prater. Now you get in a Juco transfer in Dominic Tomez, or even started his career in Arkansas. And then once you realize Opitz was sticking around a little bit longer with the COVID eligibility, he went the Juco route and now gets to come to Alabama. And he's an everyday great defensive catcher who swings the bat pretty well. And then the other guy that I think really makes his team go is a guy named Tommy Seidel, who is a transfer from Harvard, who essentially didn't play baseball the last two years because the pandemic ended things in mid-March 2020. And then the Ivy League didn't have any sports last year. So he didn't get to play at all last spring. And he was hitting better than 400 the first month of the season and is still uh, contributing at a really high clip for Alabama right now in terms of hitting for average and some power. And he also makes uh, great catches in the outfield. And so against Ole Miss, he's had a bunch of diving catches at home, uh, whether he's playing in right field, left field. Uh, Alabama defensively does not miss a beat. This is one of the best defensive teams in the SEC, whether we're talking about infield defense, just not making errors. Jim Jarvis, Bryce Evelyn, really good up the middle. The shortstop Jarvis, Evelyn, second baseman, Drew Williamson's a really big target at first base. And then in the outfield, they all have guys who can go get the baseball and throw people out. Uh, everyone's got some outfield assists on the year. And then, as I mentioned, Tamez kind of anchors everything as the Crimson Tide catcher. Uh, and then just thinking about Alabama at the plate, this is just a really scrappy team. And there, I can't tell you, Ben, how many times I've done a game where Alabama just in the first five or six innings just has nothing going for them. I mean, quick at-bats one, two, three innings, and then all of a sudden they'll have a four run on five hit inning. And, you know, sometimes it's sparked by walks and uh, this lineup is just really scrappy and they have hit bullpens pretty well all throughout the season. Now, even going back to uh, the Florida series to start SEC play, had a tough go of it against Hunter Marco, the outstanding lefty for the Gators, and then tore up the bullpen after that, made what should have been a Friday night blowout win for Florida into a 6-4 game where Alabama had the winning run on base uh, when Jarvis hit into an inning, inning, and game, inning double play. So it's a scrappy lineup, and it's a very veteran lineup. You know, a lot of the names that I'm mentioning, whether it's Zane Denton, Jim Jarvis, Owen Diodati, William Hamter, you know, all those guys played a key role in the games that Alabama and Tennessee played last year, both in the regular season and in Hoover. So it's an experienced lineup, and again, just scrappy is the one word I come back to. I Every time I thought they're just out of a game, they're just going to you know, have a whole hum, 4 nothing loss, they made a game of it. So I would expect the same against a really good opponent like Tennessee this weekend. Wanted to ask you about Alabama's bullpen because from the outside 
looking in. Uh, and I hope Alabama fans, if for some reason an Alabama fan is listening to this, which I hope they are, but uh, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but the, the way I've kind of equated what Alabama is this week is by saying they are a better version of Missouri. And what I mean when I say that is Missouri has the starting pitching in the top half of the lineup, and they, they play good defense. They have those characteristics uh, of a good team, and that's why they were able to give Tennessee more of a fight uh, this past weekend than maybe Tennessee anticipated itself. But what gets Missouri in trouble and what was the difference in the games this past weekend in Knoxville was the back end of Missouri's bullpen. It's, it's just not good whatsoever. So I, I do believe Alabama is a better baseball team than Missouri, but Alabama does remind me of Missouri in the sense of they they have a really good lineup. I do think Alabama's lineup is deeper and more talented than Missouri's. Um, and then the starting pitching, uh, like Missouri's, is, is really solid, if not much better than Missouri's for Alabama. But it's, it's the bullpen, like Missouri, that has gotten Alabama into trouble at times this season. Are, are there signs of, of Alabama's bullpen progressing as, as the season progresses along and being more of a, a safety net rather than a crutch? Yeah, I think it's still a work in progress uh, because even when we – that Saturday game that was kind of crazy back and forth, uh, you know, you figured Alabama would be able to shut the door. All of a sudden, uh, Ole Miss was able to tie that game. Uh, there's a lot of talent there. It just hasn't all come together yet. Uh, one guy that's really important to keep an eye on is Dylan Ray, who has at times been the closer and at times been the guy to close out games. Uh, he's the one that uh, ran into trouble against Mississippi State, uh, you know, winnable game for the Crimson Tide. In the Friday night game that all of a sudden becomes tied and Alabama loses an extra innings, um, you know, and he also had a loss earlier in the year against Texas. He's a hard thrower. He was injured all last season. He's got all the tools that you'd like to see for a elite closer. Um, but at times he's just gotten in a little bit of trouble wildness. So that's been one thing. Um, and then Landon Green is a pitcher that didn't pitch much during the month of March. You know, he kind of went into the season. We thought he would be the everyday closer, but uh, he's been kind of up and down as the season has gone along. So he's another key piece at the end of games. And then uh, one pitcher that I think will be very good for Alabama this weekend, kind of in a Redmond Walsh type mode, is Brock Guffey, a left-hander from Hoover, Alabama, who's, uh, you know, he's kind of a John Fulkerson of Alabama baseball. He's been there, or Luke Lipsius of the baseball team, I guess. He's uh, been there at Alabama forever using his COVID eligibility to come back and pitch even more. And he's just a really funky lefty throws from sidearm angle. I've joked on the radio that he throws from like 39 different arm angles. You know, it's just you never know what's coming out of his hand. Uh, he can get some really effective outs. And, and like, I cannot wait for if there's a tight game situation, Guffey versus like a Drew Gilbert or, you know, Lipsius. Like, I think the chess match between those, regardless of how it turns out, like, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, so he's a good lefty that Alabama is pretty comfortable with and lefty on lefty matchups. And then another guy is Hunter Furtado. who was a lefty hard thrower. Uh, probably could be a starting pitcher if Alabama wanted him to be. He can give you some length and he's the guy that can go three or four innings if needed. Uh, but he's a hard thrower. I mean, it's 95 and above and then all of his breaking pitches are really good. So that's another guy 
that is in the mix as Alabama just continues to get creative. And uh, who knows, there may even be some other pieces that I'm not even thinking of right now that could be key, say, if Alabama was in a situation to win a game, you need to get you know three outs, try to protect him one or two run lead. But uh, it has been a bullpen uh, kind of by committee so far. There really are no set roles other than the fact that uh, they're just trying to figure out any way they can to close out games and just with how the season's gone at this point, you know, six and seven and one run games, hold on tight. Anything can happen. Last thing for you, and I'll get you out of here. Uh, nobody has had to pay closer attention to both Alabama baseball and Tennessee baseball simultaneously than you. So no better person to ask this, but what matchups do you think between the two teams are going to decide how this weekend plays out? I think that's fascinating. I think for Garrett McMillan on Friday night, the starter for Alabama, if he can get through this Tennessee lineup two or three times, only allowing two runs or less, I think Alabama's in really good shape to win that Friday night game in the series. Um, you know, they're going to have to find some offense against Chase Burns, which can be tough, and they hope to do what Missouri did, and that's jump on them early. But I think that's really everything hinges on Eric Mill and the Friday night starter for Alabama against Tennessee's lineup because, you know, if he gives up some home runs and he, you know, he's a little vulnerable to that, and that happened in the Florida series, and uh, he left uh, his Friday night start, I believe, trailing either 5 nothing or 6 nothing to Florida, you know, Tennessee can do something similar really quickly. And the hope is that he is just able to give Alabama a quality start on Friday because if he's able to do that, Kind of everything else gets set up pretty nicely for this group. Uh, so I think that's one key. And then uh, the Sunday starter is Grayson Hitt, who has some of the best quote-unquote stuff on the staff. He's been able to learn some better fastball command. A uh, good lefty with, you know, that can run it up between 90 and 95. His breaking pitches, especially his slider and changeup, are really getting better uh, as opposed to when he was on the mound a year ago. So I think those are two really key areas. And then again, I think, you know, it's going to be that bullpen when a guy like Brock Guffey comes in, you know, to face a good lefty hitter for Tennessee, whether it's Jared Dickey, Drew Gilbert, Luke Lipsius, I mean, the list goes on and on. I think those are going to be some really fascinating matchups. And then uh, for the Crimson side of the plate, uh, you know, Tennessee has got to figure out a way to keep Zane Denton off base and to make sure that he doesn't do any damage with the home run ball because he certainly can do that. Um, and then it's as well making sure that these power pitchers Tennessee has, you know, don't leave a fastball that's very hittable to lefty power bats like Drew Williamson, the first baseman, or if Owen Diodotti's in the lineup as the DH, uh, they can do some damage. Same with William Hammeter, the everyday right fielder for the Crimson side. So I think that's going to be what's going to be critical, you know, if Alabama can time up fastball, because we know that, you know, they know the scouting they know how hard Burns throws and Dolander and Beam and then Ben Joyce and Tidwell out of the bullpen. Uh, they've been working all week, you know, trying to make sure they're aggressive and they hunt the fastball. So Tennessee is going to try to play its game and try to establish the fastball best they can, but just can't leave it hittable, you know, in the middle of the zone. So I think that's going to be another big key in this series. Roger Hoover play-by-play broadcaster and digital host for the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network. Roger, hope you travel safely from Birmingham to Knoxville, and you, you may live in the Birmingham area now, but we, we know where your heart truly resides, and that's, <laughs> that's up here in East Tennessee. So we, we hope you enjoy your weekend back in town. 
Hey, Easter weekend back at home. Uh, you know, my wife's family's still in Knoxville. Uh, we were thrilled when we saw the baseball schedule come out, and we're like, okay, we get to be back in Knoxville Easter weekend. So it's definitely going to be uh, a good time back in Knoxville. Look forward to the series. And again, just I hope fans enjoy this. Um, you know, I was in school during some really tough days for this baseball program at Tennessee. And, uh, I, you know, it's just, it blows my mind sometimes when I see them play or I see the results come in, just how well they're playing and the fan support they're getting as well. Because, yeah, that's something else. Uh, I didn't always see at times when I was in school. So I just hope fans really enjoy this uh, like they did at Smoky Stadium earlier in the week. And I just I hope for a really packed Lindsey Nelson Stadium uh, for the next three games. It should be a blast. You can follow Roger on Twitter at Roger underscore Hoover. Roger, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you guys. Always good to be back with all questions. We'll see you.